Well, good morning. If you're wondering and you're saying, hey, that doesn't look like Jeep, I'm not. Uh, my name's Neil. It's uh, good to meet you. I'm uh, <clears throat> on staff with um, the uh, Christian Challenge Ministry at the University of Southern California. Um, we just got uh, back from a men's retreat, um, some this morning, some last night got in. But in the process of that, I tended to lose my voice. Uh, just a bit. Um, and so this morning I'm going to work to uh, communicate. If along the way, I know there's cer- certain things we don't have, like we don't have uh, the screen up today so you can't see PowerPoint. Several people looked at the PowerPoint I put together, said it was a life-changing PowerPoint. They thought it was the thing that was going to change everyone's life this morning, but uh, unfortunately it's not here, so uh, you'll just have to see that at another time. But um, if there's anything you miss along the way, if, you know, we mention uh, anything like a verse or something that you're wondering about, just wave your hand. I'll try to repeat that for you so you have it. If, if you're fanning yourself, I'll try not to repeat it. So we'll just kind of go from there. So before we do, before we get started, can we just take a minute? Let's pray, and, uh, and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you uh, for the opportunity uh, to really talk about the things that you have for us, our purpose as your family, the church, really pray that uh, you would open our hearts, open our minds this morning, allow us to uh, hear, uh, as it were, from you, and pray that you would really speak very clearly, very personally, to each one of our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Be encouraged. I have cough drops. They usually last about 15 minutes, and I've got about 20 of them. So uh, you guys are in for a treat. Uh, so we'll be there. <clears throat> this morning we're talking about the reason for me in God's family, and we're going to be wrapping up this series. We've been looking at it for about six weeks. Uh, I really like the title on this. It says, The Reason for Me, God's Purpose for Me, and the Meaning I Find in Living It. One of the things you're going to find is that, that that's really true. As you begin to live out God's purposes for your life, you really begin to find deep meaning. You begin to find deep purpose in your life. The one we're looking at this morning um, is going to be on his purpose for us in the family. Oftentimes when we think about our purpose, we really get confused. Like I'll see guys and they're, you know, I'll talk to college students all the time. They're like, I'm trying to figure out my purpose. And our biggest holdup in that area is we usually start at the wrong place. We start with ourselves. And we start thinking about, okay, what are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my dreams? But what you begin to find as you live life is meaning in life is only found as you live out God's purposes for your life. And so you need to begin to live those out. So we're going to be looking, what is God's purposes for us as his family, the church? Often people have kind of a funny view of what church is about. They think it's kind of about Sunday morning. And for many of them, they think, that is it, right? No, 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 no. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's not even close to being it. It's a, when you look in Scripture, what you find is when when Jesus first began the whole idea of the church, it is to be a called-out gathering for a purpose. It's a called-out gathering for a purpose. He has a unique purpose that he wants us to fulfill. And so if we understand what God wants us to do and we live it out, it makes all the difference in the world, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. So today, what is God's purpose for us as a member of his family, the church? 
and how do we practically live that out? Now, if you've not decided yet about following Christ and you're kind of like in the, you know, stages of kind of checking things out or you're like, you know, no, I'm not there, well, that's great. You get a bird's eye view of finding out, hey, this is what happens whenever you come into the family. This is what God wants you to do. And so you can begin to get a, a preview of that and help you in your decision. If you're someone that's visiting and you're from another church, well, whenever you go back to your church, these purposes are still there for you, you know. So you want to be sure and begin to live these out. So simple pattern we're going to form this morning is this. I'm simply going to introduce um, the purposes. There's four we're going to look at. God has basically four purposes that he wants for us as his family. What I'm going to try to do here this morning is just introduce one, look at why does God want us to do that, and then how do you practically go about getting started? So why does God want us to do it? How do we practically go about getting started? First purpose, God wants us to connect. God wants us to connect. He really desires that the members of his church connect well with one another. Now, why is that? Why does God want us to connect? Well, the very first reason is to grow spiritually. A lot of times we um, we don't understand the need for relationship there, but spiritual growth requires relational connectedness. There's not real spiritual growth apart from that. Now, a lot of times people get confused about what spiritual growth and maturity looks like, and so they think, oh, yeah, no, sure, surely it is. No. I mean, if I were to take you and drop you on a desert island somewhere, and you had a Bible, and you had all these spiritual resources, and I came back a year later, and you had just been devouring this stuff, would you be more mature? Well, to figure that out, you start asking yourself, would you be more patient with other people? You don't know. You haven't been around other people. Would you be more loving? Would you be more kind? Would you be more helpful? Would you be more encouraging? See, we tend to think that... This thing with um, this thing with God is it's just a me and Jesus, Jesus and me thing. No, it's a me and Jesus, Jesus and us thing. And so what God wants is for us to connect with one another. See, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting off and trivializing in any way personal time with God. You definitely that is essential. It's kind of like two wings on a plane. Which one do you need? Both, uh, you know, but you look at it. What you find is this. Personal time with God, with time with Bible study, with things like that, that's where the flow of truth begins to come into your life. But the laboratory where those truths incubate and come to maturity is in connected relationships. So it's possible, if you're not careful, to fool yourself in this regard. And you can really be thinking that you're maturing because you're learning more and more facts. And you're learning more and more information. But what you'll find about this, spiritual growth is not about information. It's about practicing living out the truths and perspectives that God is building into your life. So the first thing God wants us to be connected for is so that we'll grow spiritually. The second reason is he wants us to grow in love. He wants us to grow in love. When at one point in Jesus' ministry, when there was one of these guys who was high on the scale he really thought you know that growth was all about information and knowing stuff and he comes to jesus and he says lord what is the greatest commandment and his thought is you know hey if i can uh, i can kind of trip him up i'll show 
hey, I'm, I've got more information than he has. And Jesus says to him in Matthew 22, uh, 37 through 40, so you'll have the reference on that. Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. And what he's talking about there is all of the Old Testament. The first five books were called like the law. The rest of it were called the prophets. He said on all of the Bible, basically, rest, love God, love people. Then Jesus is talking to his own disciples a little while later, in fact, the night before his death. And he's talking to them and he says in John 13, 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you. So you also are to love one another by this will all men know that you are my disciples in that you have love one for another. And the disciples look at this and they're like, oh, no, that's that's the commandment we had. Right. No, no. See, Jesus kind of raises the bar before he said, love others you know, even as you want them to love you. Now he says, love them as I have loved you. And so they began to see, you know, he really wants them to grow. God's great intent for us is that we would learn to love one another well. In fact, as he loved us. Now, for some people, they begin to learn that in family life early on. For others, they don't learn that until they become a part of God's family. Either way, God wants for us to begin to learn to love one another. So how do you get to do that? How do you begin to start? What I would encourage you is connect with a small group and begin to do life together. Connect with a small group. We have all kinds of like community groups here and and, and different groups. Connect with a small group and begin to do life together. That is where church is really lived out. If you want to know, you know, what is church about? Well, that's where church is really lived out. When you begin to connect there. That's the place where you get to know others and you're known by them. That's the place where you begin to love others and you're loved by them. That's the place where you begin to serve others and you're served by them. You celebrate others and you're celebrated by them. That happens in small groups. Now, automatically, no, no. You have to learn to love. You have to learn to do that. But that is where you wrestle with the things that God's teaching you. And the things he's training you in, that's where you encourage, that's where you challenge, that's where you walk with other people who are going through those exact same things. It's also the place that where you find out about, okay, who's hurting? Um, Who do we need to celebrate? Who's having babies? Around here a lot. Uh, You know, I mean, this, you know, so you find out about all of those different things. That's where you find that out. And you, you probably encounter some people in groups sometimes that are harder to love. Great. That's a good opportunity that God is giving you to begin to grow in really loving other people. That's what he's about. So connecting is part of God's purpose for you. The second purpose, God wants you to serve. Serve. God wants you to serve in the church. Now, why does God want you to serve? Well, for people often that are coming around to decide what they think about God, they have to see what he's like. When Jesus wanted to show us the very nature of God, the very heart of God, when he wanted us to find out what is God like, he took the form of a servant. Paul picks up on that in Philippians 2, 5 through 7. He says, 
Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the image of man. And so we want to begin to follow that. One of the chief ways we reflect the heart of God and the character of God is we begin to serve. Those people who serve, they change lives, their own and others as well. In a portable church, as we are, you know, where we can move around and we don't have like uh, one building that we meet in, you know, because of that, there's all kinds of opportunities to serve. I mean, you know, this morning there were a plethora of opportunities to serve. You know, there's all kinds of opportunities. But you begin to look, you know, do you like to work with your hands? Well, there's set up, there's tear down. Uh, do you enjoy working with kids? Well, there's nursery, there's kids zone. Are you of a tech person, there's sight and sound, things like that. Are you someone who likes to help make things more beautiful and more attractive? There's the hospitality team. Um, are you musically inclined? There's there's the worship team. Now, you may be thinking something like, I, I don't do well with kids. We wouldn't put you in there. We want people that do well with kids to be in there, okay? You know, or you think, I don't sing well. Trust me, we don't want you up here, okay? So, I mean... No, no pressure there. We want the people who God has gifted to be there. But there's all kinds of teams to serve on. There's groups to serve in. All of those things, you, you want to begin to learn how to use the gifts God gives you to bless the body. Peter talks about that in 1 Peter 4.10. And he says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When you utilize the gifts that God has given you, what you're doing is you're managing the grace that God so freely lavishes upon our lives as believers. And so you want to learn to serve. So how do you start it? How do you begin to discover your gifts? Well, probably the easiest way, begin to do a lot of different things. Begin to do different things. Now, not all at once, okay? Not, I'm not talking go crazy, okay? But I'm t- try this, try that. Most of the time, we don't know what our gifts are when we first get started. We kind of have some suspicions, but we don't really know. And what ends up happening a lot of times, people go, well, I need a test to take to figure out my gifts. Eh, you're not going to find your gifts with a test, honestly. You'll probably flunk it, and then you'll think, I have no gifts. I flunked a personality test one time. You just you don't want those things. You know What you want to do is you want to begin to figure out how do you do it. So how do you do that? Begin to try different things. As you do... Look for things. Look for what are things you're good at? What are things you're good at? You know, you'll begin to try some different things, and and all of a sudden you're working in one area, and you're just good at that. Look at that. Second thing look at, what are things you enjoy? Look at what are things you enjoy. Begin to pay attention to that. Another thing, look at things. What are the things that others call out in you? What are the things that others call out of you? I remember when, you know, when I was younger, I um, I really thought of myself as more of a, a guide. You know, I just kind of one of the pack. And honestly, I, I probably, truth be known, I still think of myself in that way most of the time, one of the guys. But what I noticed was this. After coming to faith and after beginning to, you know, be in different situations, whether it was 
employment situations or whether it was situations at church or situations in small groups, I would I would come in and I would think I will just sit here and participate and be a kind of a member. And invariably I ended up like, you know, being being made the leader of the group. And like I would go to work. I wanted to as the delivery guy, a no thought process while I was working at this other ministry situation when I first got out of college. And so I went in, and within about three weeks, I found myself as the assistant manager of this place. And I thought, how did this happen? And so I thought, well, that's an anomaly. And then, you know, I went on, and and I had another job where uh, I was working, and I I was going to go in as, like, low-level management. And within a few months, I found myself as supervisor, supervising guys who had trained me thought this is weird you know but over and over and over and over and over that happened happened again and again and i was talking to this friend of mine he said well it could be because you have some gifts in leadership what i mean never would have dawned on me see what you figure out is this your gifts are best discovered in community so try lots of things look at that begin to serve serving is a part of god's purpose for you and his family the third one god wants you to give God wants you to give. Now, why does God want you to give as a part of his church? Well, trust me, his purpose goes beyond funding the things that go on at church. In fact, it even goes beyond funding, furthering the kingdom. He actually has some other purpose. Those are very high on his list. Don't get me wrong. But God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. So what you see is, that when God looks at things, he wants you to give for a very specific purpose. One, to guide your heart, to begin to guide your heart. In Matthew six, nineteen through 21, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And what you find is, just one second, what you find is that as you begin to give, you guide your heart. You can guide your heart with your money. And so when you, you know, when you have money invested over here, you pay more attention over here. Why? That's the way our hearts are naturally drawn. So God gives us the ability to do that. You have the ability to guide your heart, and God wants you to. But the second reason that God wants you to give is to free your heart, to free your heart. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus speaking says, Beware, be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of possessions. He says, you know, if you're the richest guy in the world, your life still isn't about your possessions. Now, you may think it is, but it's not. And so there are things that can capture our heart and really keep us from fulfilling God's purposes for our lives. One of the chief ones is greed. And rarely do we recognize greed as greed. If I were to ask any one of you right now, hey, are you greedy? No, I'm thrifty. Oh, really? I'm frugal. Yeah. I'm cautious. Yeah. I am a thinking person. I mean, I have never met anyone yet when I walk up and say, hey, what, what do you think your problem is? I go, you know the biggest problem? I'm just greedy. I've never met anybody that says that. And the reason is greed is very tricky. It's, it's a very tricky thing. 
it's it's not a socioeconomic thing. It's not like something where you know you're you're greedy because you're poor. No, you can be poor and be greedy. Or it's not because you're greedy because you're rich. You can be rich and be greedy, but you can be rich or poor and be neither one of those. So, you know, you begin to look. It's not a matter of that. Greed is a heart condition, and God wants to free your heart from that. So how do you begin to recognize greed in your life? How do you, you know, how do you do it? Let me ask you some questions and, and kind of help you to figure that out. Do you ever find it hard to share with people? Now, Melinda and I are getting ready to go through round two of multiple two-year-olds as grandchildren. We had round one about uh, two years ago. Round two is this year. Uh, We've already got two in, two more coming into the hopper later this year. They will turn two. You know what the favorite word of a two-year-old is? Mine. 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 You know. You sit there, they, do they want to share? No. You say, you need to share. No, it's mine. And you're like, no, no, no. You're like, no, mine. And you know what? Oftentimes, we're just older two-year-olds, you know. So do you have a problem sharing? Another question to ask yourself, do you tend to give begrudgingly? You know, like, well, I know they expect it. Probably ought to give. Don't want to. But I will. Well, that's a greed problem. You need to look at that. Do you find yourself discontent with often with what you have? You know, I, I remember I remember riding on a bus one time. I was headed up to Pasadena and I was riding along and I looked over and I saw this house and this was years ago and it was such a cool looking house and I thought, Wow, if I had a house like that, that would be so cool. We could do this, and we could do this, and we could do this. And I thought, that would be so cool. I thought, you know, if I had a house like that, I wouldn't care if any other house was around. Man, this would be a cool house. Drove about probably another three miles up, and I saw this totally different kind of craftsman house. And I thought, you know, if I had two houses, man, I'd like a house like that, and I'd like a house like that. That would be like the coolest house ever. And, boy, we could do this, and we could do this, and students could be there. And, we, could, you know, I thought about all this. And got into Pasadena, and I looked around, and I thought, if I had, and all of a sudden, God brought this verse to me from, from um, uh, Proverbs. He says, Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. And I thought, wow, that is so true. How much is enough? Well, a little bit more, a little bit more. And so you begin to look at that, and you begin to see, boy, greed can come in. Another question to ask yourself, do you find yourself reluctant to express gratitude? That's just a sign of greed in your heart. But the good news is this, that by consistently practicing giving, you can free your heart from bonds of greed. It doesn't have to be something that takes over your heart. It doesn't have to be something that holds it captive. You can free it. You can guide your heart. So how do you get started in this? How do you get started in giving? Well, one of the very first things I'd encourage you, give regularly. Give regularly. Don't wait for some feeling to come over you. You can guide your heart with your money. So give regularly. 
When Paul's talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16.2, he says, On the first day of every week, each one of us, each one of us, is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections may be made when I come. Paul's talking about taking up this money to be able to help these brothers that were in Jerusalem that were going through a famine. So he's saying, hey, you know, on the first day of the week, begin to set aside. Give regularly. The second thing, give proportionately. Give proportionately. Practice percentage giving. Practice percentage giving. Paul also says in that same exact verse, as he may prosper. As he may prosper. See, God has given each one of us different abilities in earning, different opportunities in earning. With ability comes responsibility. And so what you find is this, that there are some folks, because of the opportunities God's given them, because of the places he's put them in, because of, uh, of uh, um, things he's blessed them with, they could give 50%, 60% of their income and still be golden. But there's others that could give a much smaller percentage. It doesn't matter. You're not, you know, you don't have to worry about that. What you want to do is begin practice percentage giving. Start where you are. Now, there's a guy that, if you go over to the University of Southern California, there's actually a statue of him up on Bovard Auditorium there because he was a Methodist guy in USC, used to be a Methodist university years ago. But this guy's name was John Wesley. He was actually the one who kind of founded Methodism. He was alive during the 18th century. While he was in college, while he was a college student, he was there and he had purchased some pictures to put up in his room, on the walls in his room. And he was at Oxford and um, they had these different chambermaids that would come around and help clean the rooms. So one of them came in the room to clean the room and he noticed that all she had was just kind of like this thin little cotton dress type thing, and, and it was cold outside. And so he, he was going to reach in his pocket and give her some money to be able to get a coat. And then he realized he didn't have any money. And he said, he began to worry. He said, wow, I think I spent my money in a way that God didn't really intend for me to. He said, how would it be one day where God says, oh, good and faithful servant, you could have taken care of the poor, but you instead chose to put pictures up all over your room. And he said he didn't want to do that. So when he got out, he got his first assignment in ministry, and he began to, he made, you know, like very, very little wages back then. He made like 30 pounds a year. So he lived on 28, and he gave away two. And then the next year, his, his salary began to go up. And the next year, he, he, um, he had a salary that went up to, what was his income? It was doubled. It was up to 60. What he did was he lived on 28 and gave away 32. And his salary continued to do that for several, several years. And each time, he would live on the 28 and give away all of the difference to the poor. Now, what he believed was this. He said... When your income increases, you ought, to look at, you ought to look at increasing your standard of giving, not your standard of living. He said, trust God and began to move forward in that. In fact, this was such that even there was one point in his life, towards the end of his life, he made something that was really kind of, you know, revolutionary for that time. He made about $1,400 or 1,400 pounds 
for the year. He lived on 30. He said he needed a little bit more because he needed more coal for the furnace because he was old. But, you know, he lived on 30 and gave away all the rest. Now, God is not going to uh, expect you to be just like Wesley. Um, He doesn't expect that at all. In fact, you know, there's some people he may lead that way, but most of them he's not. But here's the thing. Don't fool yourself. You need to think about, you know, percentages in giving. You need to think about that because it's not like one size fits all, okay? You look in here, and what you do is you listen to the Spirit of God. You keep in step with the Spirit, and you begin to give. Third thing to do, give to those who minister to you. Give to those who minister to you. Philippians 4, 10 through 19, Paul is talking to the Philippians, and he's commending them for the support that they sent him as he's busy doing ministry. So when you begin to think about that, okay, so who do you give? Well, one of the very first places, honestly, give to the local church. You are being helped right here. It's here that you gain perspective. It's here you hear truth. It's here that you know you get uh, things built into you. So obviously give to the local church. You know, Give to places you've been helped. Give to places God puts on your heart. As one friend of mine used to say, whenever you give, you get a fraction of the action. He said, you get a part of what God's doing right there, wherever that is. So give. Give to those. Fourth thing, give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. When you realize the benefits of giving, both to you and to others, you should be excited every time you give. I mean, you ought to just be tickled spitless. This ought to just be something, you know, that makes your socks roll up and down. But... 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 11. I'd encourage you to look at those later. But Paul's talking there, and he says, God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Lastly, on that, give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. You could reference like 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, or um, Luke 21, 1 through 4. But um, there's going to be times when God is going to lead you to make choices to give sacrificially. He'll lead you to make choices to give rather than having the newest whatever. You know, what you find is iPhone 21 works about like iPhone 20, you know. In fact, I have a friend who really practices this. Until a year ago, he was using a flip phone. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd call him up and I'd say, I'd left, I left uh, a text for you. He goes, I don't have text. Oh, okay. He had a flip phone. Now, why? He really was committed to leveraging his resources for the kingdom. And so he really wanted to use his money well. So began to do that. Giving is part of God's purpose for you and his family. Lastly, God's last purpose for you, invest and invite. Invest and invite. God wants you to invest and invite in his church. Now, why does God want you to invest and invite? Why? Well, he has uniquely designed each one of us for a part in his mission of building a very inclusive kingdom with himself as its prime participant and most glorious participator. I mean, he is the one who wants to sustain it. He's the one who wants to participate in it. And he gives us the opportunity to come and join him and help build the kingdom. And that's exactly what he's talking about. So 
how do you begin to get started in that? How do you how do you begin to start investing in body? Let's break those into two. How do you begin to start investing? Well, in Colossians one twenty eight, Paul gives us a real picture. In Colossians one twenty eight, Paul says, And we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, that we may present every man complete in Christ. And what I'd like you to do, I'd like you to see two specific things out of that verse. One, Paul says, we proclaim him. You know, this investing thing, it's not just an individual thing. Individuals do it. But it's a group thing. We do it. We proclaim him. And he says that we may present every man complete in Christ. Now, if the goal, another word for that, in your translation, it may say mature. Completion and maturity are one and the same. So if the goal is to present everybody complete, what does that say they are right now? Incomplete. Yeah. And so when you begin to look at that, what you find out is this. Every one of us kind of sense an incompleteness in our lives a lot of times. Like, have you ever, have you ever felt like something's kind of missing sometimes? You know, like sometimes people try to fill it with accomplishment or friends or experiences or even, you know, religious activity. But what you find is this. The more you grow in completeness in Christ, the more that nagging feeling of something missing begins to just dissipate and leave. And so investing, when you're learning to invest in other people, it's a lot like a puzzle. Any of you ever put jigsaw puzzles together? Yeah, a few of you. But there's two. Good. The rest of you, highly uh, intelligent people, need to try this sometime. It'll be good for you. So um, when you put a jigsaw puzzle together, what you find is this. One person may be the primary one that kind of sits down, starts it, puts in, you know, like all the borders, all the flat pieces, and begins to put things in. But then someone else comes in, and they kind of go, oh, hey, can I help? And they put a few pieces in. Someone else comes in, and they put a few pieces in. Someone else goes, that's not a lake, that's a sky, and they turn it around. You know, they begin to move things around. But before long, everyone works together, and what you find is this, the puzzle becomes complete. That's how it is for us in discipleship. You aren't responsible for putting all the pieces into somebody else's life. In fact, quite frankly, you probably don't have all the pieces. But you're responsible for putting all the pieces God has given you into somebody else's life. You're responsible for adding those ones that he has given you and gifted you with. You need to put those pieces in. And maybe what your ministry is going to look like a lot of times is you're the one who puts, you know, the the right top corner in people's lives all around the world. Okay, well, that's great. Maybe you're the one who comes in and finds that one piece that's always under the table and puts it in. I don't really know what God has for you. What I do know is this. Part of God's purpose for you in the church is investing in other people, beginning to invest. The last part of that, inviting, inviting. So how do you get started in inviting? Well, the very first place, begin to invite people into your life. Begin to share life with them. You know, Matt, uh, friend, you know, one of the things he does, he's working on projects. He works on them in the front yard. Now, why does he work on them in the front yard? 
because nobody's in his backyard. So he'll work on them in the front yard, and then people come by, and he meets them, and he includes them into his life. See, begin to invite them into your life. Begin to invite them into relationships with other believers. Why? Well, because God has different keys for different locks. You know, sometimes, you know, you may be talking with somebody, and it just seems like it's going nowhere. You introduce them to somebody else, and it's like, you know, fireworks go off, and they're like, we're the greatest friends ever. And you're like, yes, you are. You know, I mean, be encouraged. You still have friends. But, you know, in, introduce them to others. Introduce them to other believers. Invite them. Also, invite them to church. Invite them to church. That's where they'll begin to encounter the values and perspectives that will launch them on a journey of God's purposes for their life. And then lastly, invite them into a relationship with Jesus. He's not just the one who's going to give them a nicer life. He's the one who's actually going to give them life. See, apart from him, they don't even have life. And you know that, those of you who have come to know him, because you didn't have life either, and he gave that to you. So invite them into that. Investing and inviting is part of God's purpose for you and his family. I'd like you, if you could, for a minute, to just imagine what if each one of us began to live out these purposes and began to put those into practice in all these areas, in all four of those areas, what would happen? Well, one thing, more and more people around us would be experiencing growth and love. You would be energized by using your gifts, and other people would be blessed by you using them. Our hearts would be free, and the kingdom of God would begin to be advanced. And then, excuse me, then that nagging sense of incompleteness in people's lives would more and more begin to be filled in as other people were investing in their lives. So I'm going to invite the band back up, and what I'd like you to do is there on the back, um, there's a part that says next steps, and I want you to begin to think through, of the four things we talked about, what is the next step for you today? Maybe that next step is going to be, you know, that, you need to begin to join a group. You know, if you're on campus and, 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 you know, there's groups there for you on campus, you can jump into those. But if you're here and you're in the community right now, you know, jump into a group here, but begin to get in a group and connect. You know, maybe that's the next step for you. Maybe the next step for you is, you know, you need to figure out a way to serve. And you start looking around and figuring out something you can try. You know, jot that down. Maybe it's for you. It's You, you need to begin to give. And so, you know, you began to uh, you began to look at that. Or maybe it's for you, you know, that you've been one of those people. Bud Wilkinson said one time when talking about a football team, he said, what you have in a football game is this. 22 men on the field in desperate need of rest and 40,000 people in the stands desperately in need of exercise. <laughs> and unfortunately, the church is like that quite often. What you have is a few people scurrying around desperately in need of some rest and many other people desperately needing to get in the game and begin to invest and invite. So whatever the case is for you, I would encourage you to take that, begin to uh, apply that to your life, and let's watch the difference that God makes as we do that. Thank you.